0: Uh, good evening, welcome to Rimrock Downtown. We are glad you guys are here. It's date night. Let's hear it. It's date night. I encourage you guys after the service to um, to go out and have a date, have connections uh, with your spouse, significant other, best friend. Have a gal's date. I don't care. Just go out and make some connections. Uh, it's a good opportunity. Um, if you have kids and have signed up for the date night, uh, you can leave your kids in the back room. We usually lock them up, throw pizza and Mountain Dew in there, so no worries, they'll be fine. Um, but anyways, uh, my name's Chris, and I am one of the teaching pastors here at Ramrock downtown, and I'm really glad to be with you guys. Again, I've been actually gone for a while, so uh, we were gone for about three weeks, and so it's good to be back with you guys, back in our community here in Rapid City, so um, tonight we're jumping into this series, kind of the second part of this series called "We Are the Church." Um, so, uh, a series that Evan jump started last week, um, and I want to start tonight by just kind of uh, looking at this question of what is the church, and kind of recapping a little bit of what Evan shared last week, so we can kind of just keep the framework that we're working off of. Of what is the church? What is this church? I think Evan uh, said it well last week that, you know, church is not a building. Okay? Church is not the four walls that we come to every Saturday night or every Sunday morning. It's not something you even go to. Do you guys know that? Church is not even something that you go to. Okay? Because church is not a something, church is a someone. Church is you. Church is me. Evan last week defined it as this group of people who are called together by God for a specific purpose. And we are all called together by God for a specific purpose to be the church. I love this verse in Ephesians. Um, It says that we are God's workmanship, we are created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared for us beforehand, that we should walk in them. We are created by God to be his people, to be called together, to do good works, to be the church, to be his hands, to be his feet. And this is the church. Therefore, as Christians, we're called to not to go to church, but to be the church. Church. And so being a Christian and living this life out as Christians, being followers of Jesus, right, living out our faith. As Christians, we believe that in Rimrock, that, that to, to become a Christian, you, you, to be saved, you call out on Jesus. You put your faith in Jesus. It's by faith alone that you are saved. But to live out that faith, to live out your faith in Christ as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus It doesn't simply mean going to church. It doesn't simply mean reading your Bible, being a part of a small group, and attaining to these, these ideals within the church and attaching yourself to these ideals. It's not simply just that. But the truth is that so many people within the church are just content with so little. They're just content with that. Many of us are just content with living out our faith by going to church once a week. By reading our Bible every once in a while. By maybe shooting up a prayer every now and then. And we're content with so little. I think Evan described a couple things last week that um, in in our culture today, we find ourselves content with so little. I resonated with a social media thing that we we get on social media and we feel like we've connected with people. We feel like we've we've because we have so many followers or so many friends that we're connected and we're content with that. When there's so much more. There's so much more to relationship than just that. And I think that's true within the church. There's so much more to being the church than just going to church. There's so much more to being the church than having uh, than reading your Bible every once in a while. And while these are important, I want to I stress this. These are important. They are not being the church itself. You know, the, the fact that we are so content with, with just going to church and, and so little is, is, found, is seen. And I looked up a couple statistics. The 2019 Pew Research found that 65% of Americans say they are Christians. of Americans will will say that they are Christians. Now, this is down from 2012 where it was 78%. So in the last eight years, it's declined of those who would even call themselves Christians by 12% in the last eight years. But these are people that would call themselves Christians. In 2017, Gallup polled it and, and found it right in between about 75%. So let's just say three-fourths of Americans in our nation would call themselves Christians. Okay? Now I would say if three-fourths, if 75% of Americans who called themselves Christians were being the church, we would be looking at a totally different Country right now, we would be looking at a totally different landscape across our nation. But the truth is, out of those 75% who'd call themselves Christians, 37% considered themselves highly religious. Highly religious. And you know what they based that term, highly religious, off? Church attendance church attendance, and the fact that they thought religion was important to their life. Which means the other, however many percent, what's 37 uh, percent, what is that, 60-some percent of that three-fourths of the nation would say they're, they're not, they don't attend church that well, so they're not highly religious. That. They're Christians, but religion is just not that important. And so we see this, that, that in, in our culture, in our society, even if we attain to that term Christian, even if we go to church, we are not being the church. And though church attendance, Bible reading, and all these things are important, it's only a launching point to what it means to be the church. It's a launching point into what God has truly called us to and that is to be disciples and followers of Jesus Christ. And being a follower of Jesus Christ, living out this Christian faith, means being on mission with a purpose. Being on mission with a purpose. And so, what is our purpose and what is our mission in the church? As followers of Jesus. And uh, Evan kind of laid out two of twofold purpose In the church, and one, as he talked about last week, is to support support and encourage those within the church, right? Connect with each other, be in community, and support and encourage one another. Be one together, be unified together. And the second is to proclaim the goodness of God to those outside the church. And this is what I want to land on tonight. This is really what I want to talk about tonight. Um, Evan. You know, made the mistake of asking me to talk about this because he knew that I had an extreme passion for this side of being the church, right? So, if I, if we're, I have a lot to say about this, so if we're here for an hour, you can blame Evan, you know, because it's not my fault, okay? But I have a lot to say about this, and so I want to talk about what's our mission and how do we carry it out. Uh, to give you guys a little bit of context, um, I volunteer for this, uh, and my my full-time job is I work for an organization called Young Life. And we are an outreach organization. We are an arm of the church that reaches out to high school kids in our community. High school kids who would never step foot in a church. High school kids who um, are hurting and broken and the furthest out from having a relationship with Jesus. And so I have... um, for over the past 18, 19 years, I've been working with high school kids. Um, and I've been reaching out to them and sharing the goodness of God with them in their lives. And, um, and the way that we do this in young life is through this, a relationship and through building relationships with teenagers and through um, earning the right to speak into their life and to just going to them, going to where they're at. So this is really what I want to talk about today. Um, tonight, is, is the way that we as the church are to go to people. Um, so what is our mission in the church? What, what is the mission that God has called us to? And to, to see this, um, I think it's appropriate to look at Jesus's words in Acts, Jesus's last words, right? As he's about to ascend into heaven and leave his disciples, we're looking at his last words. And I think that if you really want to know someone's heart, If you want to know their true desires and what they desire for the people that they have led, that that they have built up, look at their last words. Look at the last words they have to say. I remember, I don't know how long ago, a couple months ago, Evan shared a, a video clip of Steve Balsley. As he was on his deathbed and he shared... His last words with some with his daughters and what he wanted them to know and those were some of the most powerful words I've ever heard and uh, that was his heart and so I think that if you want to know someone's heart for for how um, and and their desire for the people that they have they have built up in their life and invested in their life you look at their last words and so in Acts we see. Um, we see Jesus speaking to his disciples, and his disciples are, are coming up to Jesus, and they say. Um, so they say this in Acts six, he said, or one verse six, he says. So when when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So his disciples are coming to Jesus and saying they're just waiting for God to complete it. They're just waiting for God to do what he's going to do, right? They're waiting for God to do his thing. God, when are you going to do it? Okay, but God has a different plan. God has a different idea. And he continues to say, Jesus said to them, It's not for you to know the seasons that the Father has fixed uh, by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. See, God has a different plan. And it involves you. Involves all of you. Involves me. Involves all of us to be a witness for Christ. You see, this is a call for every follower of Jesus Every person who has turned to follow Jesus and received the Holy Spirit, this is a call to all of us, not just the pastors, not just the priests, not just the professionals out there. It's a call to everybody to be a witness. And, I, and being a witness, I could, I could do a whole series, a whole sermon on what it means to be a witness. But in a nutshell, here it is. A witness is to share with the world and to the ends of the earth, the good news of Jesus, and point them to him. To share with them. To the ends of the earth, Jesus says, you guys, it is 2020. This, these words were said about 2,000 years ago. And we are about the polar opposite side of the world that Jesus was when he said these. We are at the ends of the earth right now. And this is our call to go to the ends of the earth and to share the goodness of God with those around us. 2 Corinthians 5 says it this way. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Christ making, God making his appeal through us we implore you on, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Did you catch that? That God is making his appeal through us. He has entrusted the message to us. We are the church. And we are to be the church. Is this your mission in life? Do you think about your life and think about what your purpose is? And what your mission is in life. And is this a part of it? Is this a part of of your life? And how can we be, so how can we be the church on mission? What does it look like to be the church on mission? To see this, we need to see Jesus' other last words. I think these are more of Jesus' last words. I think this could have been even in the same conversation as he's sharing with his disciples on a hillside right before he leaves them. And it's the Great Commission, you guys. It's the Great Commission found in Matthew 28. And it says this, Jesus came and said to them, said to his disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore... And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What does it look like to be the church on mission? There's two letters, one simple word found in that passage, go. It starts with that. It starts with go. Go, he says. Do you know the Greek word for this word go? You know what it is? Go. (laughs) It means get off your butt and go. Therefore. And so... We're called to go. As Christians, as followers of Jesus, as disciples, we're called to go into the world. Not come to church, but go into the world. And so tonight, I want to talk about some approaches we we can see and some approaches we can have to going to the world, okay? Some approaches. Four in particular. The first three, I would say can have an impact but they are not very effective okay so I'll just preface it with that the first three can have an impact but they are not the most effective okay the first one is this we can have the informational approach okay we can give people the facts we can just give them all the information they need we can invite them to church so that they can get the information that they need to hear about the love of God, right? We can send them the latest podcast we just listened to. We can hand them the Bible tracts. Let them read about God's love, right? But you see, here's the problem with the informational approach, is that you can know a lot about God's love without truly experiencing it and without truly having it in your life you can know a lot about love without even experiencing it for yourself so then there's the impositional approach right and this is where you stand on the street street corner and literally scare the hell out of people right you just turn or burn right Tell them that you, they better turn and love Jesus or they're going to see the wrath of God, right? And if we can just tell people that they're going to hell if they don't start turning to Jesus and loving him, then, uh, you know, that could be one approach. But here's the problem with that, that love cannot be forced. Love cannot be forced, and the moment it is, it ceases to be love. Because love and fear cannot coexist together. So then we can have this inspirational approach, right? And this is kind of like if you build it, they will come, right? That we can create this exciting program and all this hype and give them this, this God experience, right? We can invite, you know, the awesome bands into town and give like huge experiences and hope that we can just inspire people, which can be impactful. I'm not denying that. Okay? It can be impactful. It's not the most effective. Because the problem is that love can't be fabricated by some external experience that we have, some one-time external experience. You can't just fabricate love. Okay? So, so far, we've seen three approaches that we could use and we could do and we can minister to people through a very safe and mostly comfortable place at a safe and comfortable distance because all three of those we can minister to but we're at the safe and, and comfortable distance from those we're trying to reach. But that's not what God's called us to. He's called us to go. And in order to to see what we are called to as the church, we need to see and we need to look at God's approach. God's approach to us. What did God do for us? Because the truth is, is that God wanted to proclaim his love to us. He wanted to proclaim his love to us and show us his goodness. So what did he do? God used the incarnational approach. The incarnation, okay? And this is is what that means. John 1, verse 14, that the word, God, became flesh and blood and he moved into the neighborhood. Eugene Peterson's message says it that way and I love it that the word God became flesh and blood and literally moved into our neighborhood. He became one of us. Incarnation, it's incarnate. If you know some Spanish, carne means meat or flesh, right? In the flesh, life on life. Pope Francis, yep, I'm quoting Pope Francis, but um, he, he says it like this. The gospel tells us constantly to run the risk of face to face encounters with others, with their physical presence, which challenges us, with their pain and their pleas, with their joy, which infects us in our close and continuous interaction. I love that. Run the risk of face to face encounters with others. Are we r- willing to run that risk? You see, in the incarnation, God came to us. He modeled to us how we are to go to others. That Christ himself showed us the power of relationship. And that's what this is. It's the power of relationship. That Emmanuel, God with us, he wanted a relationship. And he didn't just value the relationship. He didn't just desire the relationship with us. He was proactive in the relationship with us. He made the first move. Are we making the first move in how we go to others? You see, the question is, who is God calling you to pursue in a relationship? Who's God calling you to pursue so that you can reveal God's love to them in a real, physical, tangible way? That they can touch And they can feel because God knew that we needed a real tangible way that we could touch and feel to know his love. So he came down to us in the flesh and blood and let us see him in all of his glory. But he came in a way that he could come to our level and come into our pain and into our humanity And so what does this incarnational ministry look like? Um, I got a, another version of, uh, of this, John, this passage is, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. See, in Jesus, in the person, in the human of Jesus, we see God's glory We see his grace and truth. And so we look at what what do we see in this? What do we see that God did for us that we can take and we can do for others? Well, the first thing is that God initiated. Okay? God initiated with us. He came to us. Because the truth is we have no relationship with God outside of the relationship that he initiated with us that he pursued us. And so he initiated life-on-life relationships. Are we ministering to people life-on-life, face-to-face, in it with them, or are we trying to minister from a distance? I can just—I give money, and that's safe. It's good to give money. It's good to give to ministries, to the church. I love it. But it's not, it's not being the church and doing what we're called to do by going. We're ministering life on life and walking into the world of people. This reminds me, you know, in young life, our volunteer leaders we walk into the lunchrooms at school. We walk into the student sections at games. We walk down the hallways and sit down to by the kid who's sitting by themselves. And we initiate that relationship and we say, Hi. How are you doing? Who are we initiating relationships in order to share the grace and truth of God with. The second thing that God did is God invaded. He invaded. A little bit earlier in this passage, it says that um, in him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. That when God came down, he shined in the darkness. He invaded this world, right? And Jesus also says to us, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your light shine, right? Let me shine through you and invade the world. Invade the people that you're around. Invade the people with the grace and truth of God. Do those around you see a difference in your life? Do those around you see the grace of God, the truth of God, the understanding of God in your life? Are you being, as Colossians 1.15 says, are you being the invisible, the, the visible image of the invisible God to others? Because we can do this. You know why? Ephesians says it's Christ in you the hope of glory. That because Christ is in us, we can let our light shine and we can be a visible image of the invisible God to others. We can be the incarnation to others around us. We can invade their life with the grace, truth, and understanding of God. The third thing is that God identified with us. And this is huge, you guys. God identified with us. He felt everything we felt. He felt our deepest needs, our deepest desires, our deepest hurts. He became like us. I don't have it up there, but Matthew 9, 36. Jesus is... uh, He's walking through crowds and he sees all this, this crowd of people. He says, he looked at them. He looked at them. He says, he had compassion on them because they were harassed. They were helpless. They were sheep without a shepherd. As Jesus looked on them, he had compassion. That word compassion means to suffer with To suffer with, that Jesus came down and literally suffered with us? Are we positioning ourselves to suffer with others? Are we positioning ourselves to suffer with those we are in relationship with? This reminds me of Eric, of Jace, of Trent of Nate, of AJ, of Robbie. These are all names of some guys who go to Central who two years ago had a friend take his own life. And they had no idea what was going on. They had no idea. what was, they, all, they were hurting. And I was able to walk into their life And to initiate and say, hey, I'm here for you. I hurt with you. I'm not here to to tell you you need to turn and change and do all these things to be a better Christian, to be a better person. I'm just here to be with you. Because that's what Jesus does for us. It reminds me of Brendan. Brendan. His nickname was Five about 10 years ago. it's a kid I was working with and uh, building a relationship with him. And all of a sudden, I get this call. I remember I was at a movie at the Elks Theater. I get the call. It was about 9.30, 10 o'clock at night. And he's crying. He asked me if I could meet him. I asked him where he was. He told me I left the movie and drove down there to meet him. And in his tears, I saw his face as his hood was over his head. And he had taken a shard of a a glass bottle, and he had cut his face. He had cut his arms. And he was telling me that he just felt worthless and that he shouldn't be here. And I sat down with him, and I just cried with him. I sat down with him and just said, I'm with you. I'm here for you. God identified with us. He's calling us to enter into people's suffering and identify with what they're doing. I'm not here to tell you that you need to go out and be a missionary. That's not what I mean by go. You don't need to be a missionary in China. You don't need to be a missionary in Africa. If God's calling you to do that, that's great. I'm not even calling you. I'm not here to push and say you need to work with the youth of Rapid City. Okay? If God's calling you to do that, that's great. I know the guy to talk to. You can talk to me afterwards. I can get you his number. But I'm not saying that. I'm saying listen to what God is is laying on your heart, but look at the relationships you have around you. Who is God calling you to enter into their life, to initiate into their life, to invade their life with his grace and truth, to identify with and to walk with in life? What relationships is God calling you to? The author Bob Goff, who wrote the book Love Does, said it this way, I love it. God isn't dazzled when we go across the ocean. He delights when we go across the street. And I thought it was awesome to hear that testimony from Sharon, that Abby, her neighbor, was willing to walk across the street and impact Sharon's life in a time where she needed it. It was right across the street. what relationships is god calling you to build into where is god calling you to go to sum this all up i love paul's word to the word to the church of thessalonica thessalonians he says it this way because we loved you so much we were delighted to share with you Not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. This is about sharing life with people. There is so much more that God has for us to be the church to our community. There's so much more. Don't settle for just coming to church, reading your Bible every once in a while, praying every once in a while, don't settle for that. There's so much more that God has for us. So much more that God wants to do through us. And so I'll, um, as Chris and the worship team come back up, I'll just end with, um, with these two questions that, that you can sit with. I've asked a lot of questions, but uh, these two questions that you can kind of just sit with. Who are you sharing your life with? What people around you are you sharing your life with in a way that God is invading that relationship? And secondly, who is God calling you to initiate, invade, and identify with? Let me pray for us. God, you loved us so much that you decided you would do anything to be with us. That you decided to come down to be with us, to hurt with us, to feel with us, to experience the joy of life with us. And I pray that we would be the church to our community, that we would bring your presence to the rest of our community, to those around us, to our neighbors, to our co-workers, to those in Rapid City that are in need, to the poor, to the homeless, to the orphans, to the kids. to those who just need to hear your grace and hear your truth. God, lay on our hearts. Let your Holy Spirit move through us with power. In Jesus' name, amen.